Thank you for listening to Weekly Wisdom, the podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Haddonfield, New Jersey. This episode is a sermon preached by Senior Pastor Reverend Marvin Lindsay, titled Mind the Gap. It's based on the parable of the rich man and Lazarus in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Shaw said that England and America are two countries separated by a common language. And if you have been paying attention to uh, the services surrounding the death of Queen Elizabeth II, you might have become aware of that uh, in a new way this past week. Uh, Americans would line up, you know, to pay their respects to uh, a distinguished person, but the uh, the British queued up to uh, pay their last respects to the Queen. And after they queued and paid their respects, uh, they returned to their flats. They lived in London, whereas Americans would return to their apartments. And I suppose I could go on and on. Maybe they brought flowers uh, in the boot of their car instead of in the trunk. I think, is, is that right, Maggie? Uh, yeah. Um, but my favorite Britishism I was introduced to when I went to Scotland a dozen or so years ago. And it's Mind the Gap. Mind the gap. So, uh, you know, there's that, there's that gap. Sometimes it's small. Sometimes it's a little bit large between uh, the railroad car or the subway car and the platform that you're standing on. So there's these little signs there that say, mind the gap. Uh, and it's such a polite way to warn you not to get your leg torn off trying to, you know, get on a train and go someplace else. It's extremely polite, as the British always are. You can almost hear Paddington Bear saying it, right? Mind the gap. The parable of the rich man and Lazarus is a warning to mind the gap. It's a warning to mind the gap. There is a gap between the rich man and Lazarus. At the beginning of the parable, it is a gap that is both narrow and wide. On the one hand, uh, the rich man feasts sumptuously at his table every day. Lazarus longs to have his hunger satisfied with crumbs that fall from the rich man's table. The rich man dresses in uh, wonderful purple gowns. Lazarus, his body, is adorned in sores. The rich man enjoys the feel of cool linen against his skin. Lazarus experiences the feel of dog's tongues licking his sores. They seem like they are worlds apart, miles apart from each other. And yet, the gap between the rich man and Lazarus is not so great. It's uh, the distance between the rich man's front door, and the street where Lazarus lies. Uh, The the biblical scholar and uh, pastor Kendra Mon notes that in the ancient world, uh, elite Romans would build these stone benches at the edge of their property along the city street so that uh, their clients could sit there and wait until they got an audience with their patrons. Uh, And the patron-client relationship was a key way that wealth and influence and power was distributed in the Roman Empire. If you were a patron, then you would help out your clients in many ways. Maybe you would give them a loan. Maybe you would give them food. Maybe you would put in a good word for your clients if they were caught up in a court case. Sometimes patrons would even arrange marriages for their clients to to better their circumstances. And clients, in return, they were expected to accompany their patron if they had to make a trip to Rome or if they were called up into military service. And if their patron were captured on the battlefield, the clients were expected to kind of pool their resources and ransom the patron and get him home safe and sound. Now, uh, 
We don't know why Lazarus never got an appointment with the rich man at whose gate he waited. Maybe it was because the rich man decided that this, you scratch my back, I scratch your relationship, wouldn't work. I mean, maybe Lazarus was so sick and so disabled, he wouldn't be able to do the things for the rich man that would be expected to be done if the rich man did him a favor. But whatever the case is, the gap between the rich man and Lazarus was not bridged in this life. So what happens is the gap widens and is transformed in the next life. In the next life, the, uh, the man formerly known as Rich is in agony. He is being tormented. His uh, body is being licked with flames. Lazarus, on the other hand, gets an angelic escort to be in the presence eternally of Father Abraham, the great father of the Jewish people. And what is more, the gap in circumstances is matched by a gap in space. There is this huge chasm that separates uh, Father Abraham and Lazarus on the one hand from the rich man on the other. The Greeks would believe that uh, when you died, uh, there was a guy named Charon who would take you in his ferry uh, across the river Asheron or the river Styx in some legends to the world of the dead on the other side. Uh, and you had to pay him a, a toll to do this. So when you were buried, often the Greeks would put a coin in your mouth so that you could pay the toll to the ferryman and get across. And if you didn't have any money to give uh, Charon, like if you died and were not buried or if your family and friends were poor, then you had to wander this side of the riverbank for a century before you could be delivered safe and sound to the other side. But in Jesus' parable, there is no ferryman, there is no Charon, there is no bridge, there is no way to span the gap from one place in the afterworld to the other place. This is where in the parable there is a surprise and a twist that the audience that Jesus was telling this story to would not have expected. Uh, that's what parables are. They, they, they uh, illustrate a spiritual truth or they illustrate a moral uh, principle, but they always contain this plot twist. And the plot twist here is that the rich man is burning in hell while Lazarus is enjoying the company of the great patriarchs of the faith. Uh, then, as is the case now, Wealth, you know, is often seen as a sign of moral virtue, and poverty is often seen as a sign of moral vice. We, we associate um, hard work and creativity with wealth. We associate laziness or substance abuse or some other moral failing with the poor. And that was even more true in Jesus' day than it is in ours. But the great surprise in this story is that Lazarus is saved simply because he's poor. And the rich man is damned, not simply because he's rich, but because he did not use his wealth to address the great human need that was right under his nose. He failed to live generously and kindly with the riches that life had bestowed upon him. Now, uh, this is the plot twist, but there's also some kind of dark comedy here. Uh, you know, the rich man is burning in hell, but he's walking around the afterlife like he owns the place. Uh, you know, send Lazarus to bring me a cup of water. 
I'm hot. It's hot down here. It hurts. It hurts down here. As if, as if Lazarus is his client. Now he suddenly has a use for him. As if Father Abraham himself is his client. And he can, you know, call in some favors from these people on the other side of the abyss at his beck and call. But uh, Abraham has to point out to him that it's not possible to bridge the gap because the abyss is too wide. The rich man is not entirely heartless. He remembers his family who are back in this world. And so the rich man again says to Father Abraham, if that's not possible, then send Lazarus to my brothers to warn them so that they won't experience the same fate as I've experienced. And Father Abraham says, if it's a warning they need, they should read their Bibles. There's plenty of warnings in the good book. And there are. I, I, I did a little search uh, uh, this week. The word poor turns up 158 times in the Old Testament. Um, and usually in the context of aiding the poor, assisting the poor, seeking justice for the poor. For instance, Moses in his farewell speech to the Israelite people says, Since there will never cease to be some in need in this world, I command you, open your hand to your poor and needy neighbor. And the prophet Isaiah seconds this idea. Isaiah says to the exiles who come home from uh, Babylon that true spirituality, true worship of God, true piety is to share your bread with the hungry and to invite the homeless poor into your house. But the rich man says, it's just a book. They don't read books. And, you know, by the way, and anyway, they told me I didn't have to take all that literally. So they need something else. They need, they need a ghost of Christmas past experience. They need to be scared straight. Send Lazarus from the dead to the world of living, and then they will do the right thing. And Abraham says, no, they won't. No, they won't. If they won't read their Bibles, they won't listen, even if someone were to rise from the dead. Now, We've talked about the plot twist in the story. Here's the irony in the story. The guy that's telling the story has, in fact, been risen from the dead, has, has been raised from the dead. And so the question is, who's right? Is Father Abraham right, or is the rich man right? Are we listening to the one who has been raised from the dead? Are we mindful of the gap that separates us from the poor? And are we willing to change our lives in order to help bridge that gap? Now, maybe you're kind of, uh, you know, getting, a little, getting your back up a little bit about the story. You're thinking to yourself, well, you know, is there a place for me in the story? Is this warning really for me in the story? Because I'm not rich. I'm not poor. I'm middle class, right? And indeed, I think probably most of us would consider ourselves middle class. You know what I make. Because you pay my salary. Um, and, it, and if you don't know, you can just ask the clerk a session and that information will be shared easily with you. So this is what I did this week. I went to the website, How Rich Am I? Uh, I don't know if it's .com or .org. I went to, uh, probably .org. I went to HowRichAmI.org and I plugged my annual income in, uh, which, you know, kind of puts me firmly in the middle class in the United States. But, in, but worldwide, I am in the top 3.2% of the world's population. If you kind of zoom out and take a global 
dare I say, a godlike look at income. Like, there's really no difference between me and Elon Musk. I just, I'm just not as weird as Elon Musk. So, so the parable is for me. The warning is for me to mind the gap. And fortunately, I'm still looking at the grass on the right side, and so I've got time to do something about it. And you have time to do something about it as well. And really, you can begin with something that's quite easy. It's easier than you might think to close the gap that exists between rich and poor. I'm trying to learn more about the mission ministries that this congregation serves. And one of them is Feed My Starving Children. So I went to the Feed My Starving Children website this week and learned more about how they are impacting uh, the effects of starvation, famine, and malnutrition throughout the world. They send these uh, dense and nutritious feed packs to places where famine and malnutrition are uh, of greatest concern. So they send feed packs to Eastern Europe, where the Russian invasion of Ukraine has generated the worst refugee crisis since World War II. And they send them through partners to Afghanistan, where the rise of the Taliban has caused the collapse of the local economy there. And they send them to places like El Salvador, where uh, there are very isolated villages, sometimes two hours or more walk from the nearest main road. And there they are feeding the entire population, Uh, men, women, children, especially breastfeeding women uh, who really need extra nutrition. And here's the thing. These packets that you are helping to provide through your gifts to the church, these packets cost 24 cents each. You can feed somebody a meal for 24 cents. The gap is not so great between rich and poor. It can be bridged with a little bit of effort. And uh, let me put that in perspective for you. Uh, The average person in New Jersey... Uh, spends about $2,300 a year on eating out. Uh, that's according to Business Insider. Uh, in 2019, the average cost of a eating out meal was uh, $10.31. We've had some inflation since then, so let's round it up to, say, $12.99. Uh, $12.99 can get you, I'm not kidding, can get you the endless boneless wings at the Applebee's and Audubon. So, $12.99. So, can get you endless boneless wings, or you can feed 54 Ukrainians with that amount of money. You can feed 54 Salvadorans. You could feed 54 um, Afghans for the same amount of money. It is a wonderful thing that our congregation is doing by supporting such an efficient uh, ministry that really gets to where people are hurting the most. And the great thing about this ministry is there is a lot of potential for us to grow this ministry in this congregation. So I've been crunching a few numbers with the help of our office staff this week, and I found out that on our membership rolls, there's about 500 people who have not given to the congregation this year. you know, 500 people that we don't know of. Because, you know, if you put money in the offering plate, you know, and it's not in an envelope, we don't know whether you've given it or not. That, if, if all those 500 people were to throw in a 10 in the offering plate or to use the QR code in our bulletin 
and give the $12.99 to the congregation, we could feed 20,833 people. That's like everybody in, not just everybody who eats at the Applebee's in Audubon, that's everybody in Audubon and everybody in Haddonfield combined. And it's relatively easy to do. Now, it is true that throwing money at problems can't solve every problem. And it's also true that people have more resources than just money to uh, give to help close the gap between rich and poor. People have time and talents as well as treasure. And you know about those time, that time given and those talents given to help close the gap in this congregation. You have heard stories about the annual mission trip that this church takes to Appalachia to help homes be made safer and drier and warmer for people who are experiencing extreme poverty in places like the mountains of Kentucky and West Virginia. Uh, When you uh, hang drywall in a house in West Virginia or when you repair front porch steps uh, in a house in Kentucky, you are literally building a bridge from one side of the gap to the other. And so it takes a variety of efforts to close that gap. But when the need is urgent and when the distance is great, the easiest way to close that gap is with generous sharing of the money and the wealth that God has blessed us all with. So let's take the parable and take the warning to heart, to mind the gap. Uh, In this life, it's relatively easy to close that gap. In the next life, not so easy. So live generously with what God has blessed you with. The life that you save may be your own. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review this podcast so that we can reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. To support our ministry, go to www.haddonfieldprez.org and click on the Give tab at the top of the page. Grace and peace be with you.